Hi everyone, welcome to Camila Cava Food Photography Podcast, a place where I interview talents in food photography industry to learn ins and outs to help you and myself grow a food photography career. On today's podcast, I talk with Kimberly Espinel, known as The Little Plantation, an award-winning editorial and commercial food photographer, educator, and podcaster. Kimberly has a following of 106,000 followers on Instagram and has recently released her Amazon best-selling book, Creative Food Photography, How to Capture Exceptional Images of, images of Food. You may know her from her food photography podcast and Instagram challenge, Eat, Capture, Share. Kimberly has worked with many big clients such as Waitrose, KitchenAid, UK, Sony, Tefal, Tate and Lyle, Sugars and more. Kimberly shares with us tips on how to grow your Instagram with a highly engaged audience. So let's deep dive into it. Hi Kimberly, welcome to the podcast. Hi Camille, it is so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thanks for joining. So for the listeners that may not know you, could you please introduce yourself and tell a little bit, um, yeah, what you do? Yes. So my name is Kimberly Espinal. I'm a food photographer, food photography teacher. I'm also the author of Creative Food Photography, How to Capture Exceptional Images of Food. And like you, I have a podcast called Eat, Capture, Share. And Eat, Capture, Share is also the name of my Instagram food photography challenge, which is, I think, the thing most people know me for. Yeah, for sure. The challenge is really, really great. And I, I, I will love to talk about it later on as well. Um, awesome. But so how long have you been a food photographer? So I've been doing it full time for four years now. So it's four years. Time for four years. And before that, I did it kind of, a, I did more food blogging. And so mm-hmm. photography is part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, for a year and a half, I did food blogging. And then okay. a year and a half, I did the food blogging and food photography as kind of a side hustle. And then, um, and yeah, four years ago, I went full time. Right. So you, you basically started as a food blogger. And then you, correct me if I'm wrong, you fell in love with food photography. So you started following that path? or Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly how it went. That's how I found food photography also. I thought I'm going to be a food blogger. And then after a couple of months, I was like, nah, but food photography? Wow. It's so <laughs> I mean, exciting. I still blog and yeah. I love I love to write. I love to uh-huh. write. Actually. I do like that. Um, um, it's not so much food blogging anymore. So it's more mm-hmm. stuff around Instagram or photography or um, just kind of bigger issues that I feel like I want to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do love that still, but in terms of recipe development, it's it's not like the main thing I do anymore. Anymore, right, right. Because but you still do recipe developments or not at I all? I still do, yes. Okay. Mainly for brands and things, uh-huh. or as an influencer or content creator, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But on the blog, I barely post any recipes at all, um, unless they're sponsored. So I don't do. Yeah. That. That makes sense because it could be time consuming and you are doing so many things at the same time right now because, yeah, you got to you got to have your priorities, I guess. Nice. Yeah. So um, what I love to talk to you about is actually indeed being an influencer and about having an like um, Instagram big following because I've seen you have thousand six hundred six thousand followers on Instagram. Is that right? Mm hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more um, how that helps uh, you and your business? So 
It's really interesting because, I mean, my, my main income comes from food photography. And so kind of ironically, whether I have 10,000 followers, 1,000 followers, 100,000 followers, for that element of my business, it makes no difference at all. No. And the second part um, of my business is I teach. So I, you know, I teach food photography, food styling, and I also mentor uh, creatives and other food photographers. And oh. for that, it, it is definitely helpful. It is definitely helpful to get the word out. But what I notice is what is actually more important for, for that element of my business is mm-hmm. the mailing list. And then the third part of my business, which is uh-huh. the smallest part, just minute, is yeah. um, sponsored content. And right. that side, which I would guess makes up maximum 10% of my income because I barely do sponsored content. I uh-huh. um, for that, having a large audience is super, super helpful because you can just, you can command a higher fee, right? Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Speak to. But ironically... It is, you know, the least least lucrative for me or least important or the thing that I least enjoy. But I think if you love doing content creation for brands, yeah. influencer work, then having a yeah. business definitely helps. That helps for sure. Okay. But um, then I'm wondering, you mentioned that you collect email subscribers from your Instagram. How does that work then? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I have do- lots of different ways that I build my mailing list. Uh-huh. One of them, like you, I'm a podcaster, so that's one of the ways I do it. And then the other one is just through my blog. I have pop-ups or mm-hmm. and things like that, which means that every single day I get new subscribers, super important. And then because I have more than 10,000 followers on Instagram, it means I have the swipe up option. So, you know, uh-huh. so it does mean that if I have a really nice opt-in that I think people will love or uh-huh. right now I'm doing a giveaway that's going to be exclusive to mailing list subscribers, then I can, you know, I can feature that on stories and have people swipe up and sign up. So it does, you know, it does help for sure. But I don't only have Instagram as my way of, of building the mailing list, but it does help for sure. It does help. Yeah, it does help attracting all the audience. So tell us, how do you grow your Instagram? So... You know, it's really interesting because I have been on Instagram for seven years. And I would say over that, over the course of that period, how you grow your Instagram has, has totally changed. changed. Right. So in the early days, it really was about posting loads and posting as good as you could, you know, the visual content to be as good as possible. So that was how yeah. it was in the early days. And uh-huh. then as more and more people were on the platform, kind of you know, if you posted something that was good, that kind of wasn't enough anymore. It had to be really good. And yeah. you had to know, you know, your your hashtags and those sorts of things. And now I think we're moving again away from that. And now I think captions are super important. Uh-huh. And, you know, especially, I guess, because you don't just want to build a following. You want to build a, a community. You want to build a connection with people. And captions are a great way of, of doing that. And then another way that I built my audience, which was actually, I think, like a turning point for me, was um, hosting the eCapture Share Challenge. And actually, one of the reasons, and, you know, I've always debated this in my mind, the eCapture Share Challenge could be, quote unquote, bigger. Uh-huh. Um, and 
by only hosting it on Instagram. So by hosting the, having the challenges be on Instagram, so it can spread wider, but I decided uh-huh. not to do that. And um, the reason I started the challenge initially was to build my mailing list. So in order to participate in the challenge, you have to join a mailing list. And so it's yeah. a huge mailing list builder for me. That's um, amazing. But actually over time, Gosh, I think just, I have now a mailing list section that is only for challenge participants. And I think there's more than 3,000 people that are just on that wow. part of the mailing list. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that was initially. So I was like, I'd love to build my mailing list. Let me do a challenge and let the mailing list sign up be how you get the challenge information. Yeah. But over time, actually, yes, it builds my mailing list, but it's also allowed me to build a really strong connection with the people that I have on Instagram. So like, I feel I know them because I read their captions. I see their uh-huh. work. Um, like I feel that, and and of course then people reshare and tell their friends and tell their neighbor. And, and so that has been a mailing list builder and also an amazing way to grow my Instagram. Oh, that, that's beautiful. Cause I think also you build not only the quant, like if you just host it on Instagram, you build a quantitative amount of people that join but less, um, how do you say, less quality kind of followers? Because they're not that invested anymore. Um, if you really have that yeah. community in your email list. The other thing, what's really important to me, you know, like for me, I want to provide the best value that I can uh-huh. provide. And I know that by sending out emails with inspirational content and captions and, you know, guidance, it's so much more than I could ever post quickly on stories yeah you know and it's things I, I know that a lot of people save these emails and revisit them because it's learning you know it's it's relearning and so I can make the content just that much better because uh-huh. we're not on Instagram scrolling and looking and you know this story is going to end and we have to hold so that the story you know like you can yeah, yeah. read the email and reread it and revisit it and you know like so I think it just means that the learning that people get out of the challenge it you know sinks in much more deeply than if I had just done it on Instagram that makes sense and just could you remind me how often do you do per year of a challenge so I started doing four times a year then four I times to okay ah. well I do it uh twice a year so I do one in uh, winter so January February and then I do another one in the autumn um, and yeah, because those are the ones that were always po- most popular. And um, and also, I think there's something really beautiful about the change of the seasons in the autumn and capturing that. And then, you know, in January, we kind of start the year with lots of energy. Now I'm going to do this. And so people come with that, you know, creative energy and joy. And, uh, and so, but, you know, kind of the vibe around both challenges, very different, but just so wonderful. And that's why. I'm sticking with twice that's not going to go down i love to okay play. yeah because i wondered if there is a reason of some sort of exclusivity or other reason why it would be only let's say two times a year instead of i don't know a monthly thing yes i know there's a lot of people who do it i think there's there's two things one is you know because i want to add so much value i want it to be amazing it also means it takes a lot of time to put together yep. so you know every email takes about two hours to put together and even before i write the email you know, I have like a little notepad and I scribble because I don't want it to feel like every challenge is exactly the same as the one. Mm-hmm. It has to be different. 
has to be exciting, you know? So I always want to come up with new ideas. Yeah. What takes up brain space, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, and then I, I always have, I now have guest judges as well. So oh, that's we nice. email them and we need to make arrangements and da da da. Because what happens is we, we have a Zoom meeting before the live that goes with it where we announce the winners. Uh-huh. So we have to book that. So it's very time consuming. And right. so I have, have a business to run. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You know, there's only so much energy I can give to what is essentially a free service. So, um, so that's why I do it like that. And I also think from, from the user perspective or from the participants perspective, those three mm-hmm. weeks of immersing yourself so deeply in the creative process, it's, it's exhausting, you know, it's exhilarating yeah. and it's also exhausting. And so I think by really kind of make, bring that intensity yeah. in a couple of weeks to kind of let it go. And then also I think it's just more exciting. Oh my god it's you know it kept a shit challenge it's finally know. time yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly whereas if it were every month then the kind of spark it, yeah it won't be the same anymore no exactly. it makes it very exclusive and very special yeah i agree yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so i didn't introduce that to the listeners so i think i should tell a little bit or maybe you can tell a little bit more about the challenge just to give a short kind of uh yeah overview what exactly that is because it's very interesting how you have different topics and uh yeah maybe you can quickly give a sentence about it because yeah, of course so the interesting challenge is really about immersing yourself in the food photography and food styling world and, and challenging yourself and and um so i set about three tasks for every week and the challenge is three weeks long and then there's like an overriding theme for each week. So it could be like week one could be studying light and then challenge one could be backlight, side light, artificial light, whatever the case may be. And then on Sunday with a guest judge, we look at all the entries and we select the winner for each, you know, different challenge. So there's three winners and then two runners up and that we announce in a live. And then the live is also another teaching opportunity. So we Mm -hmm. might you know, if, if the challenge were, you know, light and shadow or whatever, then we might do a whole teaching section on you know, artificial light or, you know, what how to avoid overexposing or whatever the case may be. So the live show is like about 45 minutes. Um, and of course, the, the winners are announced there, too. And that goes for three weeks. And then at the end of the three weeks, we also have like the creative of the season and then the rising star and yeah. um and then a community hero so the one that people in the community voted for so it's a, ah, whole, uh-huh. it's a whole event <laughs> it grew bigger i think because i i participated like a couple years back when i had a bit more time and i still want to participate again next time but uh it was it was even smaller than that it wasn't that many um yeah. things it's involved like, that's a, what I mean. like i'm always evolving the concept yeah that's it's amazing again this one now in the autumn is going to be different again there's going to be some twists and oh, so and exciting it's exciting also for me because i don't want to get bored doing it yeah um, so yes Makes sense. Yeah, I, I really recommend the listeners to join it indeed because I, I really, it's really, really exciting. And if you have time, especially, it's uh, it's so much fun to join it. Yeah, and I think the I most, really enjoyed it. The most important part, actually, which I didn't mention, but yeah, the feedback that I got from participants is, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about building a following or building a community on Instagram. And I'm really very passionate about building a community, and I think the people who are drawn to the capture share challenge and the the community members who are drawn to 
you know, being part of my community, they're just wonderful. You know, they're really heartfelt creatives. And so it means that when you participate in the Capture Share Challenge, you're surrounded by really supportive people. Everybody cheers everybody yeah. on and leaves comments and hearts and leaves shares. And uh, it's amazing. Nice. It's amazing. So, you know, a lot of participants actually also grow their following yeah. during the challenge just because a fellow participants follow them and discover them. And, and um, so, yeah, it's a lovely community behind Really cool. Okay, awesome. Well, thank, thanks for the, this introduction of your challenge. And um, this kind of puts together in, the, in one of the ideas that um, for Instagram to grow building a community is a very important aspect. Um, what would you say um, could be other ways or further ways to help you grow um, your Instagram following besides building that community with a challenge? Yes. I mean, I suppose my question would always be like, and it, it sounds trivial, but actually, why do you want to grow your Instagram audience? Uh-huh. Like, what is the purpose behind it? That's good is one. it that you just want to do it to feel good, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But no. is it because you want to do sponsored content? And and so, you know, I would think about what what's the why behind the growth. And then also, so yeah, so from, from that perspective, I think that then informs how you grow it i mean mm-hmm. stuff like you know reels which are super popular right now um and have really wide reach but i think the question is what are you offering for people to come so they might discover your reel really love it and then what are you offering them you know and and, and are you doing something more with that do you want to teach do you want to run you know your courses or, or yeah. do you, like what is the purpose so um you know but that aside i think stellar content posting regularly and that could mean five times a week that yeah. could mean three times a week that could mean twice a day whatever is regular for you but there has to be some sort of regularity in your mm-hmm. schedule I do think that really strong captions are helpful mm-hmm. I also think there's something magical about you showing up and that mm-hmm. could be you showing up in your stories or IGTV or reels but having that bond yeah. with a person um it's really, really powerful. So those are some of the some of the that's discussions I have. Well, that's a that's a beautiful point of view that I actually never. It makes so total sense, but I never thought about it. Like exactly to think about first of all before doing all the things, think why are you doing? Why do you want to grow your audience? And then adjust everything based on that. Yeah, that's a really good point of view. Makes total sense. Um, do you, and how about hashtags? Do you think hashtags nowadays are very important? So it's really interesting. I, they have a different, so I would still use them. I still use them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, it's really funny because sometimes their reach is really, really kind of non-existent and, you know, sometimes, and then sometimes they really take off. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I think it's good to use them. It's, it's not, doesn't make sense to have that be your only way of or reaching out so more mm-hmm. than hashtags what i'm doing a lot now is carousels carousels that add value and that's yeah. really sort of um i think they're really really powerful um reels as well because both the carousels and then also the reels they're really easy to reshare and so mm-hmm. that's something that instagram is really looking at sort of how many times your post is saved and how mm-hmm. many times your post is reshared and mm-hmm. so that means you just have wider reach, you know, like mm-hmm. up the algorithm. So try and create 
shareable content, try and create something that's valuable that people will want to share or entertaining that people will want to share. Um, so those are kind of, I think, much more important strategies to focus on than yeah. just, you know, hashtag hashtags. Kind of uh-huh. Makes sense. Yeah. Now that I post, like I also l- learned indeed about carousels being important also because they keep people a bit longer at your post. And apparently that helps somehow Instagram too, but I'm not sure how much true that is. Like, uh, cause it keeps changing the Instagram yeah. algorithms and stuff, but yeah. You know, always Instagram thinks about how can we keep users on the platform mm-hmm. and keep them engaged. So anything that they feel will, you know, people's interest and and keep them engaged so carousels one reels of course because we're glued for those whatever 30 seconds or whatever it is first scrolling through a picture um you know all those things just help us stay glued to instagram and that's what they love yeah makes sense and just to get a bit more like even in the detail let's say hashtags yes they're not as important but they're still good to use to just spread it a bit the content around and maybe a couple of people will come over i don't even know how much it helps my content it does, it does. and and what it I also, does okay yeah it certainly does and what i think is really important is or helpful is to use hashtags that allow you to be um featured like uh-huh. up on the feed feed or beautiful cuisines or, mm-hmm. you know, those sorts of ones are really, really important. And then also, you know, again, thinking about what's your purpose, what, what value are you adding? What yep. is your niche? Where are you positioning? And then using quite niche ones as well. Mm-hmm. I think that helps versus just photography or something like that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard, and there's so much content under that hashtag. It's so yeah. Be discovered. You can't fully on top. Yeah. yeah. Something a little bit more, more niche, something, you know, where the, uh, you can be more easily discovered and then yeah. the ones where you can be featured on other accounts. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely worth it. Makes sense. And do you use then all 30 hashtags? No, um, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing so, but I do remember maybe about a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram's always very cryptic when they, they have like their announcements. And their, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's always a little bit like you have to try and read between the lines, but they kind of made it sound as though if you use all 30, it, yeah. you know, it, if, it would come across as a little bit spammy. Mm-hmm. And right the saying is that are there really 30 hashtags that really truly capture the essence of what this post is about mm-hmm. and so that stuck with me and so right now I'm doing maybe around 20 maybe 20 22 mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of my sweet spot yeah um, and that's what I teach my students as well so that's what I would mm-hmm. aim for but I think if you do less that's fine too a little bit more that's fine too I wouldn't go up to 30 okay makes sense and do you reuse the same ones each time and just change couple or do you completely write new ones for each post well um instagram definitely doesn't like it when you cut and paste the same hashtags because that's what spammers do so if you're constantly using the same um it will actually put you down in the insta um, in the algorithm Uh so what Mm -hmm. you want to do is maybe use no more than about 10 or half I should say half of what you mm-hmm. used in your previous post and then the other five or something a little bit different just... do you try and you know check it up as much as you can just so it doesn't look like you're just a spam account or bot account that's copying and pasting copying and pasting yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it, will, it will you know push you down the algorithms makes sense okay and another um 
thing about Instagram that I wanted to ask you about, something that I still haven't used, but I would be curious to learn about it, is Instagram Live. Yes. Could you tell us a bit about um, how that helps you and uh, how do you set it up all in all? Yes, yes. So I love Instagram Live. I think it's wonderful. So I would say, you know, it, I, I think if you have a, a creative business that includes teaching and that includes running courses or workshops mm -hmm. or even you know uh, an ebook about food photography anything that means that you're positioning yourself as an expert mm -hmm. then I think it is really really helpful and good or like I do like a mentoring or something like that so if you we call it like a b2b business I'm a business like I'm you know promoting to you as a fellow creator yeah. fellow business owner so if you do that I think doing Instagram lives are essential because mm -hmm. what you're um what you're really doing is you're you're showing that you are trustworthy that you know what you're talking about that you are indeed the expert that you say you are and it also means that people who are on the fence like I don't know should I do a workshop with her or not yeah. they get to they get to see you they get to you know and it's so hard I think, you know, you can re-record and re-record your Instagram stories a hundred times until they're perfect. Yeah. But Instagram Live is what it is. You know, there's, yeah. no, this is you in the moment, as authentic as possible. And it means that, if, you know, if people are on the fence, they can really see who you are and be like, oh my God, I love her. I definitely want to study with her. Yeah. Or they could be like, oh, you know, actually, I'm so glad I saw this. I wouldn't jot with that teacher. You know, so uh -huh. you're, you're attracting the right people and you're, you're pushing away the wrongs. I think if you quote unquote just want to do influencer work, is it essential? Probably not. Uh -huh. Once you're wanting to sell products and teach, um, or even if you want to be a speaker or something like that, Instagram uh -huh. is amazing. I think um, I would highly recommend it. And what it, it just creates a closer bond between you and your audience. That's the one, the closer bond. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. And uh, how do you set it up? And do you announce your for your listeners that I'm going live today? Exactly. So I think a lot of people have this fear that they might go live and then no one's going to tune in. And so, you know, and, and that fear is real because people uh -huh. are busy. And so what you want to do is yeah. you announce it as many times as possible. Okay. So, you know, I announce it in my newsletter. I mm -hmm. have a highlight for all my live dates when I run them they're connected to the the challenge uh -huh. um, I announce it in my grid and in my stories with the countdown the day before and then the day of so that you know I, I really have as many opportunities to let people know about it mm -hmm. so that the turnout is high I think if you do it on the cuff and people don't really know what it's about and there's no excitement around it it's much harder to maintain interest, to attract the right people, and to have enough people to kind of, you know, because you as the live presenter, you also, you ride on, on the adrenaline, oh, um, yeah. the excitement in the moment. And so if there are only two people there, then it's hard to yeah. keep that engine going, right? So you want to build up and you want to announce it and market it as, as many times as you need to. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, how do you then set it up? Like you do it on your laptop, I suppose. Oh, sorry, on your phone, I suppose. Yes, you do it on your phone. It's really straightforward. Like just as you were to do a story, like you yeah. just, you just swipe 
to live and then you set it up. And I always go live with a guest teacher. So obviously you have to coordinate it with them. Okay. And um, yeah, it's actually pretty straightforward. The trickier part and what I do do just to repurpose that content is I love to save my live, uh-huh. save it in my IGTV for anybody who missed it because they're in a different time zone or something like that, like it has a little bit more longevity. I don't put it oh, on the feed. So views mm-hmm. aren't super high, but um, I still like having it there. And what yeah. I would love to do, I hope, I do, I wonder if Instagram might do this in the future. I would love to record them, like an audio recording and release them on uh-huh. the that, that is not possible. Just that would be amazing though, because it's basically a second, yeah, that's that's a free episode for podcasts that yeah, you can repurpose. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we're not there yet so hopefully soon yeah so but um yeah so and the other thing i would say is um i mean this is also me the teacher right so take it or leave it but i i always think like what value can i add Uh uh-huh if if i'm just showing up like hey i'm doing a live how are you like so i lesson plan for the live Uh uh-huh you know so i have certain key lessons that I want to mm-hmm. communicate and share. So again, let's use a light example. Like I want people who tune in to go away feeling more confident by using backlight, side light, whatever uh-huh. it is. I plan that out so that it's a really valuable time spent with me so that people will want to stay for the 45 minutes. That you know? makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So yeah. Okay. 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 So you're going to do your live. You have your phone. You put it away from you, like in front of you, and then a little stand, like a you know the same as you would do, uh, like a, a a camera stand type of thing. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. With, um, with the clip, with yeah. the um, iPhone clip, and then uh-huh. have your headphones, and then you're off to. The and room. then you're good to go. Okay, and do you when can you still see the questions popping? Do you do it yourself then or not? Yeah, you can see. Um, I mean, sometimes it goes really, really fast. And yeah, that's what I was wondering. How can you follow that while talking? Um, sometimes I, I can't. And so what I do say is if you feel that you have a really important question, I haven't seen it, just post the question again. So, you know, okay, yeah. I set the rules. I said, this is what's going to happen. This is how uh-huh. long it's going to take. This is the what it's about. You can ask questions. So I kind of set the scene. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of times people are really actually engaged in, in listening. That's um, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... How long do you wait until everybody joins to start talking? Because that's the awkward moment for me. I don't. I just go straight in. I okay, that's in. better. Because, well, I, I did without announcing on TikTok, let's say, live, because I wanted to test that. Um, and it's just so awkward to wait, like, when there is one or two people. But without announcing, indeed, it's not that many people that join. And then you're with one people. Let's wait till everybody joins in. <laughs> oh. go straight in. And that's why I announce it so many times so that Makes everyone sense. knows at seven. Yeah. There you miss the first bit, the best yeah. bit, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. go straight in. And it also yeah. means that if I, when I save it as an IGTV, the first five minutes isn't like, hey, I'm going to wait. Like, yeah yeah true it's immediately interesting content they can get engaged exactly exactly ah, nice okay interesting thank you thank you for sharing this this was uh, interesting learning about instagram so another thing i wanted to talk to you about is your book you just yes. launched your book congratulations thank you so much that's amazing so uh can you tell your uh, the listeners a little bit about your book yes so it's called creative food photography 
how to take exceptional images of food. And it's really aimed not at the beginner food photographer, but people who are at least, I would say, a year into their journey. So they they know the basics. They know their camera settings. They know the basics around light. Mm -hmm. But they want to actually go pro and just know what it takes to go pro or to start earning income doing what they love. And then also... They're really committed to creating standout images and images that have like a signature look, something mm-hmm. that sets you apart. And how do we find our signature look? How do we find our style? And that's uh-huh. really the kind of premise of the book. That's what the book tries to support you in discovering mm-hmm. how you find your style, how you stand out, and how you go from kind of doing something sort of and hoping that it works to actually stepping into a professional photo shoot with confidence with know-how and uh, and that's what the book is about oh that's interesting because I remember and I know more of the people do that that they struggle in the beginning finding their own style and being like oh my god I'm just copying what am I doing I don't know which style there's so many things happening <laughs> so that's very very interesting yeah how long did it took you to write the book so from Starting to write the book until the book was released, it was exactly two years. Um, But I would have to say, like, I took, like, one of the summers off. And then, Uh obviously, you have to send the manuscript off to the printer. And that takes a couple of weeks. And then they send you back the proof. And so it wasn't, like, two years of writing and shooting, you know. It's like an ebb and flow and a movement. But um, it took the the best part of two years and what I would also say is for anybody interested in, in writing a book it's not like you write a book and you print the book and it's out and you know in Spanish we say you can go and scratch your belly you can just twirl your thoughts uh-huh. like we say in English it's not like that like once the book is out yeah actually when the work really starts because right you market the book like your life depends on it you uh-huh. know because you, know, you spent two years working on it like, yeah working on it you want it to be a success and unless yeah. um, you're a jamie oliver or something like that uh-huh. you know uh you have to market it and um i've made a commitment to market it for a year uh-huh so really that means it's kind of three years dedicated three to years it. of work wow Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't imagine that part. I I also thought like you just launched the book and then you're good to go. You watch it fly, but of course not. <laughs> no, I'll no, say. and it's it's um, and that's been really interesting actually, yeah. um, from a business perspective. Uh huh. Like as a creative business owner, releasing the book has really um, made me a better businesswoman. Because I've had to had to think so deeply about marketing and yeah. all the different avenues, and um, yeah, it's just been so. And also, again, like with the challenge as a creative person, I get bored very quickly. So, yeah. you know, what can I do to make the marketing process interesting and fun so that yeah. I don't get bored? Because I, I, you know, when you when you it's with everything when you market an e-course or when you market yourself as a food photographer to a brand or when you market yourself as an influencer to a brand you want to step in with lots of energy yeah so that people are like oh my god I want to work with this person right yeah okay. bring that energy and so I know that once I get bored I won't be like on on my best form mm-hmm. and so by keeping the marketing interesting and unique and challenging every time I talk about the book I like I feel fired up you know oh. like 
yeah. and know that's helped the sales so much, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's been really interesting. Ah, oh, so exciting. Seriously, yeah. Wow. Yeah, launching your own book. That's something I think super, super special. Like one day, I want to do that too. Okay, so, yeah. so the mentor in me would say, what does one day Oh yeah, that's also a good one. It's like you have to decide. I know I had like a whole project that I wanted to do, but I keep delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying. So yeah, it's something that you need to put on your priorities, I guess, if you wanna. Yes, you have um, to. I find it helpful to give something a deadline or a date. You don't have to, but I think someday is a very, a very dangerous. Not dangerous. That sounds a bit dramatic, but it's, it's an unhelpful. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, because it doesn't allow you to actually make it happen <laughs> today. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Same with everything. Same if you say I'm gonna work out starting next week. That's not gonna happen. See where you start now or never. Yeah, like um, yeah, I agree. That's a good one. So, how was the idea born to to write the book? So it came from a different. It came from a couple of different things. So. Um, you know, again, maybe for your listeners, what is helpful is, you know, we yeah. say what's important if you create a product or you create a course or you create something, um, it's really helpful that you notice that there's a demand for that, mm-hmm. um, that you have an audience already who'd want that. It's an easier process than creating something and then finding the audience for it. So I've had a lot of my audience members ask me for a book. Like, oh, I ah. wish I had it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to take home after a workshop or just to revisit things. And I yeah. also um, I also felt really passionately about the fact that my workshops are not something everybody can access, either because they're really far away or because it's outside of their budget. So I wanted to create something that was more accessible to mm-hmm. a number of different people. And then also, I just, I don't know, like... Um, like I felt like I remember waking up and just thinking, I have to write this book. Uh, like that's yeah. what it felt like. Like it was like, oh, uh-huh. like I know. I always use this expression. Like I know the book had to be born. Like I uh-huh. felt that, and maybe it was because people kept asking me, and maybe it was because, you know, as my prices increased, I wouldn't say yeah. there was but there was like an emotion around how can I serve people can't afford it uh-huh. and all of that maybe created that feeling I don't know but it was like oh like I could feel it in my gut like I have to write this book and um and so yeah that's kind of how it came about wow that was uh that was a strongman feeling that I needed it's interesting and you decided yourself you weren't even approached by a publisher or anything you decided I I want to write a book I'm gonna write a book and you did it? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I have been approached by publishers before to write a cookbook. Oh, yeah? But um, for a couple of different reasons, that just didn't feel right. Like, uh-huh. I, mm, uh-huh. it, doesn't, it doesn't fit into where, like, if I close my eyes and I think about where I want to go, yeah. where I want life to take me, where I want my career to take me, where I feel I'm at my best, where I can offer and show up in the best possible way. A cookbook isn't it. It's uh-huh. the right thing at this point in time anyways. Uh-huh. So um, 
so yeah so I didn't go with that I was just like but I I also felt like if I looked on my bookshelf I had a couple of um food photography books they felt really outdated the that's true mm-hmm. it was just like I felt like there's this trap that that you know we is it needs to be filled and yeah uh, yeah so I just felt like that was yeah that's just how I felt so but I also I've talked about this on my podcast and I've talked about it in my captions like I was a hundred percent convinced that publishers would totally see that the food photography community needed a new book needed something fresh so I also never thought I like I thought it was going to be a walk in the park (laughs) which Mm -hmm. was so you know, it was so naive of me, right? I thought it was going to be a welcome. It wasn't true? No, like I had um, 30 publishers reject my, my proposal. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, um, yeah. so they rejected my proposal, um, 30 publishers and 30 um, and, and together, you know, publishers and, and agents are like, no, that's too niche. You'll never sell more than a thousand copies. Nobody's interested mm-hmm. in this. We have a huge community. Come on, guys. Small an audience. Yeah. Um, You know, this is so, you know, I was faced with a lot of attention on that journey. So nobody wanted to work. work. Like nobody wanted to publish the book. Uh And so I, that was a big shock, actually. And um, and then I was like, well, I know, I know that I have, that I want to share this work. Mm -hmm. So I decided to self-published the book oh yeah yeah and um and also again I've talked about this on the podcast but there are no women of color who've written food photography books like a woman Uh has never been published in that Uh in that okay and I was like well I feel that I need to break that ceiling I need to make it. I need to do that. It's not just for me, but for uh-huh. other women who are, you know, like me, immigrant women or women. Yeah. So you know, I felt like a really strong purpose behind the book, and then, um, and then, I, yeah, I I hired a designer and I hired yeah. an art director and an editor. And I did the whole book, like I did, yeah, I did everything. And it was even more work than I imagined. Wow. So it was, it was pretty intense. Wow. I had a printer and a distributor and um, get everything on Amazon. So everything that normally a publishing team would do, I had to do that myself. But I did it. (laughs) Oh, that sounds so special. That makes it even more special. Jeez. Yes, it's. It's, congratulations that's amazing really but this is you know going back to the one day i didn't want it to be one day i wanted it to be now i wanted yeah. my dream to come true now and i wanted to offer Did it, it now yeah. and so i just thought like what do i need to do to make that happen and that's it <laughs> and Beautiful. if you wanted to publish me then i needed to trust myself just gonna do it myself yeah so that's what sick and so now it is okay so where can where can the where can we buy a book it's now on amazon as well so it's on amazon really pretty much anywhere um and also book depository and both of them i think offer free delivery so um yes go and get it and use it to find your style to find your voice to get inspired and um you know to be the best for you that you can be that's really the the premise of the book and um yeah love people together 
Okay. After the call, I'm going on Amazon.nl and I'm going to check if it's here and I'm going to buy it because I want it. That's so cool. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, I'm excited. Nice. Uh, my biggest congratulations. I love, I love the fact that the publisher said no and then you were like, okay, man, I'm going to do it myself. I, I, I really love that. I mean, I think I'm that's so strong. I, I, I'm not giving up. Say there was, uh, there were a lot of tears. Mm-hmm. And I would say like, uh, you know, the way I describe it, like every time you get a rejection letter, it's like someone's punching you in the It's stomach. hard. Yeah, it's hard. I can imagine. Really yeah. Hard. But then you pick yourself up and you keep going, you know. Yeah, not, not giving up. Exactly. You pick yeah. yourself up and you, and, you, and you keep going and that's, um, that's it. Amazing. I, I really love that. I, you have no, I don't know, but I really like that. Anyways. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Good. The book. So now we're quite, quite, quite long talking. So I'm slowly going to close up with some closing questions. First of all, I wanted to ask you like, uh, you're a food photographer. You're having fun with your work. What's, what's most fun for you in your work? I love working as part of a team. I'm definitely a team person mm-hmm. and I've loved working with other creatives and um, seeing them grow and develop in their styling and their, you know, in their uh, creative expression. And it's just been so fun. It's just, you know, I'm not a person to work on my own. I've loved building my team and growing my team. That has been super duper fun. Awesome. Okay. And do you have some recommended books or influencers or, um, I don't know, blogs that uh, starting food photographers can um, look at? And Yes. So books, you know, to be honest with you, um, I would definitely, of course, recommend my book. Of course. That's B. Lubas and also Joni Simon both have got books, mm-hmm. which um, I haven't received either yet, but I know that both are incredible and they're going to be great resources. But mm-hmm. I also think um, to really make it as a food photographer, you also need to have like a business mind because talent you know and the creative is important but then you have to have that business side so I love Seth Godin any of his books are incredible Mm -hmm. the book that I love the most I think is this is marketing I think marketing Mm -hmm. is such an important so um, important yeah it's really important to have that skill under your belt and then the other book that's been really transformative in a in a because I think you know, again, it links to what I said before, for you to show up as your best self, as a creative, as a creative business owner, as a community leader, you have to be in a good place, right? Like you have to feel good. And um, the book is by Brendan Burchard. Oh, yeah. um, you're, you're shaking your head. I read that and that book was transformative for me. In fact, I'm going to reread it read about two years ago and um i'm going to reread that book um but do you second the name of it i forgot the name but we have it also we should put it in the show notes um or i can google it quickly i don't want something the fifth no okay i'll check later i'll put it in it's in the show notes (laughs) put it in the show notes i think is one that every yeah that's been transformative so i love that in terms of um and then one other one that I love, which is a cookbook, um, is Penel Vanille. I just think like just browsing through that or any Ottolenghi, like mm-hmm. any Ottolenghi or Canel Vanille, you know, okay. it's just so inspiring. 
just oh. so beautiful with Otolenghi, the flavors, the textures, the colors, like the creativity behind the recipe development is like sparks, like something in me and then Canel Vanille, the, the photography is just insane. Like just, oh, gorgeous. Um, awesome. And then I think that's, hopefully that's enough <laughs> to get started. Oh, these are great recommendations. <laughs> yeah, great, awesome, good. Okay, um, now any ex other exciting projects that you're working on that may be interesting for us to learn about? Yes, so I am going to be launching my first food styling course, an e-course in the mm. summer. So it's just taking, you know, it's not about camera basics. It's not about editing. It's really just about food styling because, again, nice. what I noticed that a lot of my students are we're still struggling with, so it's going to be standalone. And um, I'll also be speaking at the uh, Food Photography Summit uh, this June, which I'm really excited about. So those are kind of two of the things that are coming. Ooh, exciting. I'm curious about the food styling course. That's a good one. It's not that many out there yet. Not not at all. So that's really good. Awesome. Okay, the last question. question. Where can the listeners find you? So I'm The Little Plantation on Instagram. You can also tune into my podcast, which is Eat, Capture, Share. And I have a blog, thelittleplantation.co.uk, where you can come and sign up to the mailing list um, and join my community. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so interesting to talk to you. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me.